Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on March 8th, 2021 from my home studio here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. This podcast cuts through the noise and gives you South Carolina-specific COVID-19 news and stories. This episode features some more positive vaccine news from the CDC. We have a recap of statehouse activity and a heads up for this week. We get more information on evictions and so much more in this episode. Additionally, we want to hear your stories, so we set up a voicemail box to hear from y'all about your life in these changing times. Leave us a one-minute-long voicemail at 803-563-7169. Maybe you can share a memory from the past year as we approach our year anniversary of being in lockdown. Uh, maybe you've gotten the vaccine already. Tell us about that process or share any other stories. We want to hear them. 803-563-7169. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is ongoing, widespread, and not contained, according to data from Department of Health Environmental Control. There have been 7,748 confirmed deaths, and currently there are 450,578 confirmed cases being reported in all 46 counties as of March 8th at 4 p.m. A percent positive rate is 3.7%. Currently, there are 608 people hospitalized with COVID-19, 140 patients are in intensive care, and 72 are on ventilators. And just for a little perspective, two months ago, the pandemic was at its peak in our state. On January 9th, we maxed out at 7,268 new daily cases. Our seven-day moving average of new cases was 5,500. Now, our average continues to decline and is where it was last October, with under 1,000 new cases averaged every seven days. On March 8th, we had 562 new cases. Again, compare that to 7,268 just two months ago. Crazy. And we have some data compiled from the CDC by the White House for the week ending February 26. Our state is fifth when it comes to new cases based on population, 11th for test positivity, 15th for new hospital admissions, and 37th for deaths. We have some good news from MUSC. An estimated 37% of South Carolinians may be immune to COVID-19, through vaccination, or from being infected with the coronavirus during the last three months. The numbers come from the Medical University of South Carolina's COVID-19 Epidemiology Intelligence Project, a group of public health experts that's been tracking the coronavirus's impact for almost a year. The team arrived at the percentages through a complex series of computer-assisted calculations that factored in such questions as how many people have been diagnosed, how many have gone undiagnosed, how effective are the vaccines based on clinical trial data, how do you include people who have been infected and vaccinated without double counting them? So some positive the news there when it comes to immunity in our state. Let's start off our politics with a bit of a recap of last week's statehouse activity. The Senate amended and approved a $50 million bill to give teachers their step pay increases, which is based on their years of experience, for the current fiscal year. The bill heads back to the House for them to either agree to the changes or insist upon their version, which would set up a conference committee. Also in the House, the Ways and Means Committee finished its work crafting the $9.8 billion budget for the upcoming fiscal year that starts July 1st. Like we've said before, the state remains in good fiscal shape, not as good as originally forecasted before the pandemic, but we still have extra money in our coffers. Instead of the projected $800 million in recurring annual revenue, there is $180 million. 
and also 956 million non-recurring or one-time dollars. So yes, more than a billion dollars extra to budget with. Just walking around money, no big deal. But budget writers are still playing it safe and following Governor Henry McMaster's executive budget and socking away $500 million in reserve funds to cover any future shortfalls. $73 million will go to cover teacher step increases for the upcoming fiscal year, and just over $16 million will go to give pay bumps for state law enforcement and corrections officers, among other things in the budget. We'll go into more detail on the state budget in future episodes as the House prepares to debate the spending bill later this month. Speaking of spending bills, the massive $1.9 trillion COVID relief bill passed the Senate by a vote of 50 to 49 over the weekend. The amended bill heads back to the House for approval and is expected to reach President Joe Biden's desk this week, which means you'll likely be getting stimulus checks in your bank account sometime later this month, if you qualify. Okay, here we are, week nine of the legislative session, the middle of session, folks, and it kicks off on Tuesday. And here are some meetings that are planned for this week. A House Judiciary Subcommittee will hold a hearing on the hate crimes bill, H3620. Yes, you heard that correctly. A Senate Judiciary Subcommittee will take up a bill dealing with wine, beer, and liquor tasting laws. A House hearing on Wednesday would deal with a bill, H3037. That would include information about a vehicle owner having a mental illness or health problem when their license plate is run if they're pulled over. Also on Wednesday, a Senate Judiciary Subcommittee will take up a slate of utility bills dealing with Santee Cooper, consumer protections, and electric vehicles. On Thursday, the House LCI Committee will take up H3991. That would prohibit a metal recycler from acquiring a used catalytic converter under certain situations. This is in response to an increase in theft of catalytic converters for the valuable precious metals inside. There are plenty more hearings this week, and you can find them as well as watch them on scstatehouse.gov. And as we head out, former President Donald Trump has made a slate of endorsements for candidates around the country, including here in the Palmetto State. He once again backed Governor Henry McMaster, who was the first statewide elected official to back Trump in the 2016 primaries. And Trump announced his support for Senator Tim Scott, who was running for re-election in 2022. going to start off our business section with a look back to last week with Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell, who said on Thursday that the economy still has a ways to go before the central bank starts clamping down. Here's Jay Powell. The economy began to recover last May from the very sharp downturn at the beginning of the pandemic and made good progress through the beginning of the fall, let's say. And then progress slowed sharply overall with the winter COVID spike, which reduced job creation for the last three months through January to about 29,000 a month, month, which is a drop in the bucket for an economy our size. So today, uh, we're still a long way from our goals of maximum employment and inflation averaging 2% over time. More recently, as you point out, we've got rising vaccination, we've got cases at lower levels, we've got strong support from fiscal and monetary policy, and while there's still risks, there's good reason to expect job creation to pick up in coming months. Um, And we need that because we're still 10 million jobs short of where we were. Uh, 10 million uh, fewer people are working than we're working when the pandemic hit. So it's a a lot of ground we have to cover. And those people are mostly in areas that are directly affected by the pandemic. That's service industries, public-facing jobs. 
Um, I'll, I'll also mention inflation, since that's the other side of our, our, our mandate. Um, we seek inflation that averages 2% over time, uh, and we want that to happen because we want because we want it to average 2% over time. We want inflation expectations to be uh, anchored at, at 2%, and that's, that's really the goal. The real question is how large those effects will be and whether they will be sustained or more transitory. And I'll just say that for several decades, uh, the U.S. and the world, really, economy have been in low inflation world. And a low inflation is what people expect, both here and around the world. For those expectations to change, businesses and people would need to believe that larger increases in prices would be repeated year after year. And it, we think it's unlikely that these deeply ingrained low inflation expectations would suddenly change. It is more likely that effects like the ones I described would be one-time effects as the one-time effects of the fiscal booth fade. Okay, so any forthcoming short-term inflation is likely to be temporary, according to Powell. But let's continue to look at unemployment. Like he said, 10 million of those jobs aren't back yet, and the unemployment rate, which for February budged to 6.2% from 6.3%, doesn't show the entire picture. Let me tell you how we define maximum employment. People focus on the unemployment rate, but it's really much broader than that because if you haven't looked for a job in the last four weeks, then you're not counted as unemployed. You're counted as out of the labor force. So if you look at those who have left the labor force since the pandemic and, and also those who are unemployed, then you get a very large number of people who, who are around the edges of the labor market. And it should be thought of as generally people who want to go back to work. <clears throat> uh, it will take uh, some time to, to get back to maximum employment. It took us many years to get there before. Um, it, that, and that'll really just depend on um, how strongly the economy picks up once we do get past the pandemic and once economic activity picks up and hiring picks up. Again, uh, there's a lot of ground to cover to get to get back to what I would call maximum employment. We want to see wages moving up. We'd want to see that that the gains in employment are broad-based, that different demographic groups were experiencing it. So we have a high standard for identifying what maximum employment is. And we'll, we think it'll take some time to get there. Moving on, the University of South Carolina announced it will return to face-to-face -face instruction this fall. The move was triggered by the massive vaccine rollout that has led to faculty getting vaccinated and eventually students, which will decrease transmission rates. U of SC was the first public university in the state to announce last spring it was switching to virtual classes and then stood up a robust testing program for any student, faculty, or staff member who frequented the campus. Clemson University will be returning to normal this fall as well, and both will keep up mitigation efforts upon return. Also, congratulations to the USC women's basketball team for clinching the SEC championship title. Go Cox! Now, I know we were just talking about job numbers a moment ago, but we're still waiting on our January unemployment numbers from the Department of Employment and Workforce. However, the agency has said that as of February, there have been a total of 2,855 unemployment insurance claims that have been referred to authorities for investigation and prosecution on the grounds of fraud. So we've been talking a lot about housing help during the pandemic. Remember, you may be eligible for assistance through SC Housing's new $25 million program at schousing.com or the housing authority in your county. And there's also billions in the current COVID relief package coming to the state as well. But what about the eviction process itself? It's confusing and terrifying. And Scott Morgan with South Carolina Public Radio talks about a new program to help. If your landlord handed you an eviction notice, would you know what to do? 
a lot of people wouldn't. You know, you don't know what you don't know. And so if you're in the situation, if you're looking at eviction, if you're if you're really behind in your in your rent, reach out and talk to somebody else. Lee Patterson is the social work director at Richmond County Library. She's also a volunteer navigator who guides tenants through a new eviction assistance program by the Columbia chapter of the NAACP, which offers help for tenants in financial trouble due to the coronavirus pandemic. Having someone that can help you, you know, stay in the house that you're living in, that may be able to help you if you are going to get evicted, um, try to see, you know, what options are available for you going forward to the next place that you need to rent. Options. See, that's the main word that the NAACP's new program is trying to get across, because people who get evicted don't usually know that they have any. They don't know about the moratorium. May Jones is NAACP Columbia's assistant secretary and a program navigator. Nor do they know about that they could contact the courts to request a hearing, which will delay the eviction process. It varies on how long, but it would definitely extend that date from the date that's in the eviction notice. Navigators can't give legal advice. They can outright tell a client to ask for a hearing regarding an eviction notice. But they can inform you of, that you have the right to ask for a hearing. That's really important because once you ask for the hearing, then a hearing has to be set. Says Sue Berkowitz, who can give legal advice. She's an attorney at South Carolina Appleseed, one of the pilot program's partner agencies. And as a housing rights advocate, she wants tenants to know that they have a compatriot against landlords who might be counting on a renter's fear or ignorance of the law as a way to pressure them into paying up. How many times I have talked to either a tenant or consumer and they said, well, I've been threatened with, if you don't immediately give me the rent that you don't have, I'm going to send the sheriff out. Well, that fills the fear of God in me that not only, you know, am I facing possibly losing my place that I'm living, I may find myself arrested. Two things. One, sheriffs serve eviction warrants, but don't arrest people for being evicted. Two, most landlords won't pull a stunt like that. In fact, Berkowitz and the NAACP go out of their way to say that the eviction program is also for helping landlords because they realize that landlords are in business and business needs revenue. Education is the most important part of all that we're doing. Venus Sab is a housing advocate with the Columbia NAACP. She says that landlords who violate a tenant's eviction rights often don't actually know they're doing it. They have to understand what the law says. The law says you have to give them some time to rectify the problem. And a lot of them may not understand that themselves. Larry Sally is the Columbia Branch's Economic Committee chairman, a longtime housing counselor, and a fellow navigator. He's found that most landlords want to do the right thing. They just don't always know how. A lot of times they do want to work with the individuals that are in the property, but they have a lack of knowledge as to resources. So NAACP Columbia sees its program as a midway point in the eviction process. But given that the program is meant to help only in situations worsened financially by the pandemic, navigators so far are getting all their calls from tenants and no landlords. And they expect that to ramp up as the federal moratorium expires this month. Plus, even though there's a moratorium, you know, on a lot of evictions, you still have a lot of private landlords who do not receive any subsidies who are actually taking action against their tenants. And they're not going to wait. Thanks, Scott. You can find that report and more on SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. Do you have any travel plans in your future? Well, the U.S. Travel Association found that only 12% of Americans plan to travel for spring break. Spring break, according to polling data by Destination Analytics. 
Mm. The trade organization says the data suggests that Americans remain concerned about traveling amid the COVID-19 pandemic and that they may prefer to defer their travel plans until the process of vaccinating the populace is more complete. And speaking of traveling, Southwest Airlines just announced it will begin service to Myrtle Beach in time for the summer. This according to the Sun News. Now, the airline didn't say exactly when the new route would start, so let's keep guessing. And NPR reports that OPEC Plus, no, that's not a new streaming service. No, we're talking the old, good old-fashioned oil cartel of OPEC Plus, surprised markets this week by deciding not to increase oil production output next month, saying it will improve stability and will lay the foundation for prices to climb in the future. Now, Saudi Arabia has warned that if OPEC Plus puts too much oil on the market too quickly, prices could fall. And when oil revenue accounts for 87% of your budget revenues, well... (laughs) Meanwhile, some countries, like India, are concerned that current high prices will negatively affect recovery efforts. A little bit of a delicate dance here going on. Additionally, major oil sands producers in Western Canada will idle almost half a million barrels a day of production next month, helping tighten oil supply as prices tick up, according to Bloomberg. And don't expect American output to increase anytime soon. Fortune reports that shale producers have promised restraint, putting profits before the growth they relentlessly pursued during the boom years. Welcome to Vaccine Phase 1B, folks. Hey, good to meet you. How are you? Great. Great to see you. Oh, hey. Hi. Now, Phase 1B is not a new Marvel franchise. No, no. This includes people 55 and up, those 16 and older with high-risk medical conditions, frontline workers with a high risk of exposure like teachers, food and beverage workers, first responders, and more, and those who work in close contact conditions. Now, just a reminder, this category isn't based on job title, rather your risk level and what you encounter on a daily basis. If you are working at home, this doesn't include you, but be happy that you get to work from home because these people have not been able to. So there's a trade-off. Now, all South Carolinians are expected to be eligible for the vaccine by early May. So we're almost there, folks. But now with 9% of the country already having two doses of the vaccine and an additional 2 million people are getting vaccinated a day, The CDC said we are now starting to turn a corner, and as a result, it has released new guidance for those who are fully vaccinated. Now, fully vaccinated means two weeks after your final dose of the Pfizer or Moderna vaccine, or two weeks after Johnson & Johnson. That's when you're fully vaccinated, according to CDC. CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Wodlinski announced the guidance for those fully vaccinated on Monday, and here are some of the scenarios. CDC recommends that fully vaccinated people can visit with unvaccinated people from one other household indoors without wearing masks or physical distancing, as long as the unvaccinated people and any unvaccinated members of their household are not at high risk for severe COVID-19 disease. In the slide, People who are vaccinated and at low risk for severe COVID-19 are indicated by solid orange circles. This means that none of the unvaccinated people or any unvaccinated members of their households, for example, 
are an adult over age 65 or have an underlying condition such as cancer, heart disease, or diabetes that could increase their risk of COVID-19 related hospitalization or death. Here's an example. If grandparents have been vaccinated, they can visit their daughter and her family even if they have not been vaccinated, so long as the daughter and her family are not at risk for severe disease. Second, if an unvaccinated individual or any unvaccinated member of their household are at high risk for severe disease, everyone, regardless of vaccination status, should still wear a mask and physically distance and choose to meet outdoors or in a well-ventilated space. This is recommended to keep the individuals at high risk who are unvaccinated safe. Similarly, when fully vaccinated people are visiting with unvaccinated people from multiple households, everyone should wear masks and physically distance and meet outdoors in a well-ventilated space. The CDC now says that if you're fully vaccinated and you have been exposed to someone with COVID-19, you do not need to quarantine or get tested unless you are experiencing symptoms. So that's some great news right there, too. But the CDC still maintains that you should still avoid medium to large-sized gatherings and continues to advise against traveling, regardless of vaccination status. Every time that there's a surge in travel, we have a surge in cases in this country. We know that um, many of our variants have emerged our, uh, from uh, international places, and we know that the travel corridor is a place where people are mixing a lot. We are really trying to restrain travel at this current period of time, and we're hopeful that our next set of guidance um, will have more science around what Uh, vaccinated people can do, perhaps travel being among them. And on March 7th, the United States reported its lowest daily number of COVID-19 cases since October 6th, reports the COVID tracking project. The March 7th data was the tracking project's last daily report, too, with the project's founders citing improved national public health data efforts. Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news. We talk about life during the pandemic and want to hear your stories as well. I mean, I think this this section, the days are numbered for hearing about life during the pandemic, but mm. we can still keep that, it alive. We'll that's keep pretty it alive. optimistic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The hotline, I know, I know, but the just, hotline's staying open, bud. <laughs> yeah. Operators will <laughs> still be on our payroll standing by. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that being said, call us, tell us how you're doing, tell us a memory or a highlight, a low light of the past year during the pandemic as we approach our year anniversary of this uh, in the state here. You can do that by calling 803-563-7169. Leave us your name, where you're calling from, and a little little something going on in your world. In AT, it's my understanding that someone has called us. We have a voicemail. We have someone. I don't know if it's a highlight or a low light or just a regular light. A mid light. But uh, it, it just, <laughs> a sky is, light. just might be a, it might just be a light. Um, who knows? Uh, <laughs> but uh, we did get a call. First time caller. I haven't listened to this. Very so exciting. this is going to be all new. Hopefully she's not cursing the whole time. But maybe she, <laughs> maybe it is hopeful. So I get to bleep the whole thing. Uh, let's see what she has to say. All right. This is Melanie from Columbia, South Carolina. I'm definitely a first-time caller, but a long-time listener, and I was spurred to call because of the coverage that you're talking about, the State House and their so-called, and I'm using air quotes, priorities at the moment. The entire issue of fetal heartbeat laws and transgender girls and all of these things, it is so gross to me that 
the only thing our legislature appears to care about is infringing upon the rights of their citizens rather than making sure that schools can open properly instead of bars and that our population gets vaccinated properly and that people are actually physically safe from real dangers instead of perceived dangers. I just really wish that our legislature would stop being terrible. It's such a disheartening thing to hear on a regular basis from our state house. So that's my gripe. My good stuff is that I have been vaccinated. I did get the Pfizer vaccine, both doses. Um, I'm one of those essential workers that has needed that to make sure that I keep my patients and my family safe. And I proudly went to go get the vaccination. And I will say for all of those out there who are scared, it's not that big of a deal. It's a good thing. You may have some discomfort, but it's completely doable. And I really hope that everyone gets to do their part. Um, I appreciate all of the news that you bring to my house. Me and my kid and my husband both love to listen. And I hope that you are doing well, that you are staying safe. And thank you for everything. Bye. Melanie, great to hear about you being a first time, long time. Love that. Oh, yeah. Love that. First time, long time. First time, long time. Uh, <laughs> yes, the legislature does have their own set of priorities. And that's uh, that is that's what they do. That's what they do for sure. So uh, I'm glad to keep you updated on what's going on up there because that was the uh, the entire premise of this podcast from the get-go before we be, we became this whole COVID messaging operation. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> real messaging operation. You know, nothing neg- negative there. But yeah, that's, we'll be getting back there soon. But I'm glad we can keep you updated on that. And congratulations about the vaccine. Yeah. I agree. It's not that big of a deal. It's easy peasy. Uh, love to hear that the whole household is listening. Love that as well. So The um, lead brings the family together. Because you got to remember to lead. You got to remember to laugh. You got to remember to laugh. Yeah. You know? I mean, soup salad and breadsticks <laughs> soup salad and breadsticks Boom. unlimited baby. unlimited always <laughs> tuesday and saturday um and I'm, before we talk about some other things i just want to piggyback on what she was talking about getting the vaccine sure um you, know, you just got I, yours I got mine you're, on you're a few days out you're yeah a few days so i want to give you a little update about how i've been doing um so arm soreness was you know prevalent there mm-hmm. a couple hours afterwards through the weekend um but it, w- it wasn't too terrible. You know, it was weird because it was mild, like mild gave a good punch. But um, all you need to do is take two ibuprofen and be be OK. I didn't want to take it, any preemptively. I wanted to experience it for you folks. Yeah. My pain for, is your gain. <laughs> <laughs> but you're also I mean, you're also ripping massive sets at the gym, oh, right? Yeah. Well, I, was, so well, I use that as my excuse not to work sore. out. I was like, oh, I don't want to push it. <laughs> <laughs> but I did go to the gym on Saturday, and it was okay. You can you can make it work. I mean, Gavin Gavin is fully yoked from uh, from quarantine. But the so. bigger question, which I'll address in a, in a future DHEC call, is when can I get when can I safely get my next round of Botox? Will it conflict mm, with the yeah. vaccine? <laughs> I was gonna say you're sagging a little bit all over, and so uh, <laughs> I don't think that's a problem. But um, yeah, and speaking of speaking of when I got the vaccine, I got a nice uh, email <laughs> Saturday night at midnight. You're talking from, about electronic mail? Yes, over the okay. internet. <laughs> okay. I don't know why I was checking my email that at that time of night in my condition, but I didn't respond, which I'm really proud of. <laughs> mm. But it was from a, a listener, and I don't even know if they're a listener, but they saw the photo on Public Radio's website for the last pod where I'm getting the vaccine and I have my mask yeah. down just below my nose because I was rushed. It was a really quick process and I didn't pull my mask up. 
over my nose, which I know you is were a big flustered. Yeah. You were flustered. So, I mean, I'm obviously, you know, it's a pain for me too. That's why I prefaced on Twitter like, hey, I was so excited to get this. I forgot to do this, right? Regardless, the, you know, the guy giving me the vaccine, I was in my car. It was outdoors. I mean, this Let's hear what this, what, this, what this person had it to say. It was just a rant <laughs> against me for not properly Let's, stowing my mask. Let's um, see. <laughs> Read it, read it aloud. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the subject line was nose sticking out. Do you need me to read it for you? <laughs> I can read it. It's my attack. Are you sure? I uh, can't believe you posted a picture of one of your own staff doing the moron pig thing. Moron exclamation, pig thing is uh, below your nose. The a nose year into out. it, and I still see people everywhere that I have to tell that wearing a mask and having your nose sticking out is the same as not wearing a mask at all. It's a respiratory virus, right? Where does mm-hmm. the air come out? Your nose. Yep. Et cetera, et cetera. To everyone who does this, and this part's in bold, you are dumb and you look like a pig. Oink, oink. Oink. <laughs> and thank you for your attention. So uh, I will note that the, that the the email signature was in Comic Sans. <laughs> yeah. And this person has a PhD because they, they put it at the, at the bottom too. So good for um, them. You know what? Yeah. Hey, hey, I get it. That's why you I was what? like, you know what? You. I'm going to probably get some hate mail for this. Whatever. The mask slipped. I'm okay. I feel okay. My risk, my fault. So that you being said. You know what? I love pigs. I love oink pigs oink. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, call me, call me, I don't know. <laughs> I can't think of anything clever to call me. Piggy. Call me Dr. Pork Chop. <laughs> <laughs> the Pork Chop Express. Yeah. <laughs> Big trouble in Little China right there, folks, coming at you. This is Pork Chop <laughs> Express. Man, what a great movie. Speaking oh, of movies. Great movie. Yes. Uh, so, Gavin, I heard you had a, a, a nice little night in. I had a on night in own. on Friday, you know? Maybe a, maybe a glass backs. of Chablis and a good uh, movie marathon curated <laughs> yeah. by yourself. Why don't you hit the good people with it? I was taking it easy Friday, like I said. So, I stayed taking on the couch. Taking it easy. Yeah. Flick through the old HBO Max because I think there are yeah. some better movies on there compared to the I other agree. streaming. I agree. HBO Max is a sleeper, okay streaming service. Mm-hmm. It's no OPEC Plus. But. <laughs> <laughs> and so I. Uh, That's a callback, folks. <laughs> you know, and I, yeah, so I started watching one of the uh, great movie franchises, but this one was Ocean's 8. And so yes. it was, you know, Sandra Bullock, that's, Kate that's Blanchett. The, that's, the, that's the prequel. Yeah. Rihanna. I mean, um, I'm, I'm missing Rahana? several other ones. Y'all talking about Rihanna? Rihanna? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what's her face that I don't like because she was in... Uh, Isn't Aquafina in it? Anne Hathaway, who was in Devil Wars Prada, who I, I have a lot of issues with that movie. I don't love uh, Anne Hathaway. I'm not going to lie. That's what I'm... Yeah. Uh, M- Mindy Kaling... Uh, she's good she's yeah. good office girl uh, helena bonham and carter who i also love helena bonham a, carter bonham yes. carter yeah uh, the johnny depp of of dakota of, fatting uh, i didn't know it was in that but yeah um dakota dakota <laughs> so i mean a great cast i liked it you know it's a plot it's it's it, it, don't tell me it's any better than a fast and furious part whatever okay fast and furious is, is just better. as good fast and furious is better it's a female empowerment movie it's a feel good even though they're ripping off like 150 was, million in diamonds was there you feel any good nos? about it was there any nos no there was no car okay. chase scene. were there drag races no <laughs> I'm have I'm finding issues. No. Okay, well I'm seeing a lot of issues here. I'm seeing a lot of holes in this plot. <laughs> you know what? I would actually love to see an all female Fast and Furious. I think that would be awesome. Yeah. There you go. This was kind of truly like it. Cool. This is kind of like it. How about a Charlize Theron prequel? Spoiler alert, Charlize Theron is in Fast and Furious movies. Um <laughs> yeah. 
But uh, no, it was it was a good movie. I don't know why I chose it. What else? I what else to did see you Kate watch? Blanchett, what else so did you good. watch? Uh, Kate Blanchett uh, and then I is also amazing. watched um, The Witches of Eastwick, an older mm. throwback, but included yes. Cher, Cher, Susan Sarandon, yeah, <laughs> and Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. And, uh, what? Who else? And uh, the devil played by Jack Nicholson. <laughs> Jackie Nick. <laughs> Amazing. I, I love that movie. It was I, a good I, movie. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, you know, it was enjoyable for the its period. The uh, whole time family period. loves that movie. <laughs> it got a little weird at the end, but uh, it was worth it. A friend of mine. I told you when you when you told me you watched this, I said the la- I think the last time I watched this was in like 1996 uh, in standard def on, on TBS or something like yeah. that. Yeah, that's, which I think and, is the appropriate way to correct. watch it. I yeah, was, that's I was the, not the only watching way to see it, it appropriately. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it has like the Practical Magic vibes, if you've seen Practical yes. Magic. So absolutely. Midnight Margaritas, etc. So that was my Friday night. Um, that's great. Did you I have mean, a good weekend? You just got back from your little vacation. I, I, I had to like de-golf my whole body and, mm-hmm. and let the, the golf Deep oils drip out of my toes i don't know <laughs> uh, so uh, i caitlin and i we didn't do much we were gone all week so uh we just sat around with cats and and uh watched tv so there you go it, we kept it really easy so it wasn't any fun mm-hmm. but that's, i'm glad you got a great movie marathon i mean yesterday we actually did have plans i will say this we mm-hmm. had plans we woke up we made breakfast and then the hobbit came on tv and it's five hours long out the window. so that everything yeah, was days thrown ruined, out the window days ruined. even though the hobbit franchise is terrible um <laughs> Compared to the book, we just, Kayla and I just read The Hobbit together. And so it was the first time for her watching it. It's kind of funny because uh, like these are the things, you have them on DVD, right? But when it's on the TV already, it's like, well, it's already here. We're going to go ahead and <laughs> plop down for five hours. I remember one time, it was like three years ago, I was about to head to Craft and Draft, which is down the street from my house. <laughs> I'm kind of doxing where I live here. Um, but, uh, it, and, and no, I'm, I'm bleeping that. Um, but I, I was about to leave and uh, the TV was on and I saw that the, the Two Towers, the second Lord of the Rings movie had just started. It yeah. was like 8.30 and I sat there. I didn't go to Craft and Draft and I watched TV till <laughs> 2 in the morning. I've read these books and I've seen those movies a thousand times, but it doesn't matter. When you have a chance to watch Helm's Deep, you watch it. Okay, folks? <laughs> and uh, other good news about the vaccine, your wife? Get in the shot. Kate, Caitlin got stuck today. I'm so happy for her. I, 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 I told you I emotionally crave this vaccine. I yes. can't wait to get my own. Yes. Um, and so uh, I'm, I'm very happy that she got it because she's in public a lot more yeah. than I am. But, she's front line uh, right there. Those she is very front line. line. Yeah, and and don't give them a hard time if they're still wearing masks, folks. You know they're you know it's you gotta serving, wear the mask. You know okay. they're inside they're, serving. They're... Let them do what let people do what they want to do. And it's funny because I was listening back to our old work from last year and old, reading through old scripts and reading through our things we talked about. And you know I remember the voicemails of some of our callers getting bullied, getting made yeah. fun of because they were wearing masks. And you're like, we got like seven <laughs> calls. Still going, like that. Yeah, it's like still a problem. Like, crazy, crazy. Let them do that, okay? They can do that, you know? Gosh, stay in your lane, folks. Mm, golden rule still exists. We didn't get rid of it. Golden rule is stay in your lane. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're going 90 for Fast and the Furious or whatever that whatever that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what insert, they say. Insert movie quote from Fast and the Furious here. They live my life quarter mile out of second. Take it there away, go, Gavin. Folks. Well, thank you for listening to the pod as always. You can show us your appreciation by leaving us a lovely review on iTunes or a voicemail at 803-563-7169. You can stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. 
Also consider becoming an ETV member. Membership starts at just $40. And if you pledge at the $75 level, you get access to PBS Passport and all the great programming your donation helps support. I think you can also get a tote bag at $75 level. There's a lot of gifts out there. We're in the middle of pledge right now, folks. Check it out. Go to SCETV.org. Give us a little bit of love. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. And like I, I can I found the best stairs to Ollie down. Oh, there's this really cool graveyard with a lot of railings that we can go on. <laughs> we can grind. grind all night. <laughs>